0: giant robots smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Victoria Guido.
1: And I'm your host, Will Larry. And with us today is Brian Douglas, CEO of open source helping enterprises discover best engineers in open source. Brian, thank you for joining us today.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast.
0: Just tell us a little bit more about
2: open source. Yeah, open source. a URL. So I always point that out because uh, it's easy to be to found. Love it. Yeah, and open source a platform for engineers to find their next contributions and enterprises to discover the best engineers doing open source. So,
0: right. So maybe tell me what led you to start this company.
2: Yeah, that's a yeah, great question. Uh, actually, if you don't mind, I'll start like further back, like. I graduated college in 2008 during a financial crisis uh, with a finance degree. And uh, what I learned pretty quickly is like, if you don't know anybody in finance, it's a little harder to get a job in a bad market. Uh, So I took a a sales role instead, mainly because I just wanted to learn, I was very much introverted, wanted to learn how to talk to people and like have conversation and communicate. So I did that four years and then got my MBA, and then started learning how to code while building an app, which is I mentioned before we hit record. I learned about this podcast around that time, uh, which is like very serendipitous to uh, to be on this podcast uh, years later. But fast forward, open source, like because the whole networking aspect of how I got my job in sales and how I was able to do sales, when I learned how to engineer, I knew the connection to open source. How I learned how to code was like a a wealth of information. So I made it just like my career goal to meet as many developers as possible and then i was working at this company called netlify it was a uh, employee number three there and my role was to basically be front engineer but we, i was actually getting more adoption to the product by doing open source like every time i do an open source contribution i'd add a netlify deploy preview manually in my pr and that would like give the maintainer enough juice to like review the pr sooner and i was doing a lot of open source contribution at the time so i wanted to build like a a tool to maintain like all the prs i had open in flight that i needed to like respond back to or because back in like 2016 was notification on the github they they weren't the greatest (laughs) so i built a tool just to keep up to date on what i had open and how i can communicate back with the maintainer uh and saw a need actually i didn't see the need i used this thing myself and then in 2020 started live streaming myself building more features on top of this like CRM tool and had a few people ask, hey, can you add like a login to this? I'd love to use this too with like my own database and stuff like that. Um, so I did that. I had a login and I say database, like we actually originally started with no database. We used GitHub issues as a tracking mechanism for tracking repos and conversations. We've since moved away from that because like now obviously GitHub's got way more advanced in how notifications work. But the sort of ethos of the project still lives today and what we have uh, in the open source platform so that's like the long tail of how we got to where we are today and then i spoke at github universe on open source back in 2017 and from that talk i had github employees reach out to me and ask me to work at github so i accepted and i worked at github for almost five years sort of putting open source to the side up until last year decided to go ahead and pursue it again and at that point decided to make it a company
0: what a cool story. There's so many things in there that I want to follow up on. I'm sure Will and you also <laughs> are like, I have yes.
1: <laughs> Wow. That's amazing. Just hearing the story from you, you got a four-year degree in finance, 2008 happened, no job, very hard to get a job because of who you know, and then you go and change directions, um, start learning to code. And I love how it's kind of guided your path to where you are here right now. Like, who knows, but would you have been the CEO of open source if 2008 would have never happened? You know, so it's amazing to see it. So I I guess because I love the idea of open source because I am that developer that wants to get into open source, but it is hard. It is hard to find the issues uh, that you can work on. It's hard to get into the community to do that. So, if you can just explain to me a little bit more, as from the, and we can do it from the enterprise uh, portion later, but as far as a user, a developer, what does it look like for me to use open source as a developer?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great question too, as well. And like, it's funny how serendipitous the story is today, but like when I was living it, it was like, oh man, I'm never going to get a job or <laughs> I'm never going to learn how to code. And yeah. I, I think anybody listening, uh, who might be in where I was 10 years ago, uh, just want to preface, like your story is like guided a path through experiences. And like every experience is like a opportunity for like that sort of one piece of like the sort of stepping stone to move on to like CEO of whatever your next startup is, or senior engineer, staff engineer, whatever it is. But to answer your question, well, we built a Discord, and the Discord itself is how we sort of discovered this sort of onboard ramp into open source. Uh, So today, if you sign up to Open Source again, opensauce.pizza, you connect your GitHub account, you get onboarded into a flow to ask a couple questions. So like, what languages are you interested in? And then what time zone are you in? Uh, And the reason for those two things is, one, because we're going to do recommendations for projects pretty soon. Everything's open source, so you can like literally see the issues that are open about recommendations. Happy to take contributions and feedback on it. And then time zone is because communication is pretty key. So like if someone is not awake when I see their PR, I have an expectation of like, cool, we'll I'll write a response and I'll wait for them to come like wake up and and respond back to that. So the goal there is there's a lot of projects on GitHub, like 372 million repos is the number uh, off the top of my head. They literally announced this stuff and they showed the data. But of those repos, only 225,000 have more than five contributors understanding like what you're looking to accomplish first out of doing open source to either share knowledge or gain knowledge to get exposure to get a job or just to enhance your your current job by go try something that's not in the roadmap of what you're working on eventually we start asking those questions around like what type of contributor that you want to be so we can start recommending those types of projects but i mentioned that 225,000 repo number because there's a lot of projects that don't have five contributors that could use their second contributor to third, fourth. And my recommendation is always find up-and-coming like growth stage projects. A lot of people want to re- contribute to React. You had mentioned you did React. Well, that's a really big lift to go contribute upstream to a project maintained and supported by millions of enterprises around the world. But there's tons of projects that go trending every week that have no documentation, that have no readme, that have no structure, and are just getting off the ground. Like Those are the best projects that we we try to showcase. So like that's uh, hot.opensauce.pizza is our sort of up and coming project list. And the way that works is like projects that are trending based on our open source community. We surface those there. There's a lot of work we have to do on that that project. That was like a, like a hack week project we did a couple years ago uh, as a community. But the basis of that is there and like looking to build our recommendation engine off that. So step one is find a project that is welcoming, that needs some work done and then find the path in. So the path usually is going to be your contributing MD, uh, which is like established projects will have this. But if you don't find a contributing MD, but you find a project you want to use, chances are you can build that contributing MD and ask the questions I'm like, hey, how would I contribute? Like, How can I be supportive? Actually, I, I did this talk a couple of years ago at Juneteenth. It was a remote conference um, on Juneteenth, which uh, a bunch of black engineers, we all gave our technical expertise sponsored by Microsoft. And I was talking about the the idea of open source hospitality. The best thing you could do is be that sort of hospitable person, either your maintainer or first time contributor, like be that person to like set it up for the next person behind you. And the idea of hospitality, you go to a hotel, like you know where the towels are, like you know where the soaps are, like you know exactly where everything is all the time. And in open source, like if we could set up our projects in a very similar fashion, like not franchise them in a, in a way like the Hilton or Marriott, but set the expectation that there is a way to source information and to interact and operate. So
0: yeah, I mean, I love like hot open sauce pizza. That's hilarious. And I love how you use humor to, even though it's a very serious product, we're making it more friendly and more hospitable, like you're saying, right? And I like how you said, you know, the journey is cool looking back on it, but it was really hard to go through it. And now you're this wonderful speaker and and a CEO, but you said that you weren't actually good at talking to people at first. And that's, you like specifically sought to like get better at that skill. So I wonder if you would share more about that, how that's impacted like your career and and why that's important as a developer to have those communication skills.
2: Yeah, it's like, um, I have a twin brother since birth, basically. And uh, my twin brother is very extroverted. Like he actually used to wait tables in college. and it was like he was the person that would like make you feel ve- like very special as a, um, a server. Like he's the type of person that kind of lights up the room when you walk in. Uh, his name's Brock. My entire life growing up, he- I was always Brock's brother. And It's like, Oh, you're Brock's brother. It's like, Yeah, I'm Brock's brother. And I'm more of a person like if you meet me in person, like I'm very much reserved. I'm sort of reading the room waiting for my point to jump in. And I made it a point for me to like have enough comfort to like speak on a podcast or speak at a conference. Because I knew that skill set would be valuable. Because I, I definitely had, in my sales career, definitely got overlooked for a lot of opportunity because folks thought, oh, I don't think Brian could do it. So coming in the tech and seeing that, when every time I went to a meetup, because meetups also were places where I cut my teeth and got to learn about the the industry and the community, they always needed someone to speak. So I was like, oh, there's an opportunity. I can leverage this opportunity of like them always looking for speakers and me always wanting to share knowledge and learn something new to do talks. So my first ever conference talk was in San Francisco and I had learned React Native, but prior to React Native, i learned Objective-C. And then in between Objective-C and React Native, I learned Swift because React Native and Swift came out the same year. Well, React Native, went public. Open source, the same year as Swift. So it was like a really interesting year back in, uh, I think it was 2017, where actually it might have been 2016. But anyway, everything came out at the same time and I was learning iOS development. So I made it a point for me to give a talk. But my pet peeve for giving talks is like a lot of times people just go like directly into the code and there's like no connection to a story or why do I care about this? So I always bring storytelling into my conversations and talks. So like that talk about Swift and Objective-C and and React Native, uh, I made the comparison of like, it was the same year that Kanye West took the, the mic from Taylor Swift at the the VMAs or whatever their word show was. And the correlation was uh, React Native took the mic away from Swift because it built similar interactions for JavaScript developers to understand and build iOS applications that was not like an Ionic or a RubyMine or something. Su- or, I forgot the Ruby one, but anyway, what I'm getting at is, I just wanted to bring story to this because usually what happens is like you see cool things, but you never remember what the name is. You try to find that repo again, or you try to figure out who that speaker is, and it's usually hard to find it after the fact. So, like my goal was always to make it memorable, uh, which is why I, I go by B Dougie because B Dougie is a, it's easier to Google than Brian Douglas. Shout out to Brian Douglas, who's based in Ireland, who does system engineering uh, and has a, a great YouTube channel. Like I want to be memorable and I want to make it easier for folks to find me after. So like while at GitHub, when I was developing all these sort of like Kanye West type speaking and stuff like that, well, literally I would use Kanye West years ago as like the example to understand storytelling. I don't longer use Kanye West. I, I'm I'm now a Beyonce advocate. So I, I use Beyonce <laughs> instead. But I guess what I'm getting at is like I just had a goal and I knew if I could teach myself the code, it was about 17 weeks it took me from zero to ship a, a Ruby on Rails app. And I felt confident enough to talk about it. I knew basically anything I could just accomplish just by putting some effort and consistency behind of it. So that's, uh, sorry, that was a little more long wind than I expected, but I just keep accountable and set goals for myself and try to achieve enough to feel proud about at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, it's so funny because I recently had a similar situation at Thoughtbot. We try to engage with the community and one of the ways was writing a blog post I've never been a writer. It just hasn't been my thing. But I was telling my my boss, I was like, I'm going to do that to get outside my comfort zone and to really stretch myself. And at the same time, I was like, why a blog post? Like, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense why a blog post. Well, when I started writing a blog post, I was like, oh, you have to really know, one, what you're talking about in order to write about it. And so I had to really do some research, really had to study it. And I finished it last week. And then now looking back over the last couple of months, it took me to write that blog post. I'm like, wow, I feel stretched, but I feel really good. And I feel really good about the topic that I did. So that's interesting that you went through that process to stretch yourself and to grow and even learning to code and and get to that point. So talking about you were at Netlify and then you worked at GitHub and then you're at your current one, open source. How have Netlify and GitHub, the work that you did there, how has it prepared you for your position right now?
2: You know, actually, that's a great question. I, I don't know how much I how much thought I put into that. Like, Netlify prepared me to because it gave me an opportunity. So I was employee number three, but I had a sales background, and so I got to be an engineer. But they kept always trying to ask me like, you know, business questions and strategy and like. I pitched them like a 30, 60, 90 in my interview of like, what's the growth strategy of Netlify? Like day zero when I start. And I go into way more detail of that in, in other content, but that prepared me because I got to see how startups work being so early. I got to see that startup go from seed funded, just close to seed round to get their series B is when I left. At GitHub, I got to see what it looked like at a bigger company, which like doesn't matter how big or small you are, like there's always chaos. And like GitHub was like, so much chaos, and like there was a lot of good that was happening, but a lot of uncertainty uh, at the time I joined in 2018. And then nine months later, Microsoft acquired GitHub. So then I got to learn like stability and like what it looks like to you for personal reasons. Like I had always had a budget, but never had, never had extra money, even like years into my engineering career. And that taught me like what it looks like when success meets career. With that being said, like the problem that I'm solving, I got to learn. Firsthand, while being at Netlify and getting adoption and traction through open source, and then going to GitHub and seeing every single other company that looked at GitHub as a solution to their open source collaborations and interactions, and then also seeing that there's like there was a hole and just understanding like how do you survive, how do you sustain yourself as your career, but also your open source project. Like a lot of folks want to know like what success looks like for open source. Like how do you get on the trending algorithm? Like how do you Get noticed. It's more than just pushing the GitHub and then hoping for the best. There's like other things that happen for projects to be successful, and for us to choose the next and the future technologies. It's it really comes down to like community, marketing, and then resources, and those three things end up making projects successful. With open source, like we're looking to help inflate some storytelling and and add some of those those resources to open source
0: projects. Great. So you were able to really get like the full vision of what it could be if you had a product that became successful and stable and you knew you wanted to build it on open source. So I love that you really just, you had this problem and that's what you built the product around and that ended up becoming the business. What was surprising for you in those early discovery phases with open source when you were first thinking of building it?
2: Yeah, I guess what we're Really surprising is we're not like crazy traction today, but we've done a pretty good job of getting like 2,000 developers to sign up to it since um, December. And then the conversations with enterprises so far, just by the the share, like basically what was surprising is like if you use proper sales technique in your early stage as a startup, so like not necessarily hire salespeople, but as a founder or as a stakeholder, like just go talk to your future customers and your users. Everyone says it, but like that's actually super valuable. And I think in the same same vein of open source, like folks, they see projects die on the vine, but then you see projects succeed. And I think it also comes down to like how often the maintainer of the project is talking to the contributors and the users. And also that distinction as well. If like, there are p- folks who want to contribute code to the code base, but then there's folks who want to use the, the code base. And like, how do you interact between the two? And how do you like cross the chasm for those folks as well? And a lot of times, it's just fascinating, this, like, just by trying, and just by showing up, like, that's half. It's all cliche stuff, like I could could say, but it's all true. Like showing up is like, it's like step one, the show up, do the thing, do the work. And then talk to people is like step two. And it's hard to say, like, okay, yeah, because we... We're we're not a multi-billion dollar company, like we're just getting started. So I can't say like, yeah, you know, we're we're super successful, but we've survived the year. And we survived the year based on those two steps, the showing up and then talking to people. Cause a lot of times we could just get lost in the sauce per se of just shipping code and never talking to anybody and never coming up for hair. And I think what I learned going back to like the what I learned from GitHub and Netlify is like talking to people and getting that feedback loop going is the best thing you can do for any product, any early project, any feature you're working on talk to people about it and see if it's actually valuable for somebody that after you ship it, something will happen.
1: You're talking about communication is a big thing for a successful project. Have you noticed any other trends that make a successful open source project?
2: Yeah, that's any other trends. Yeah, I mean, AI, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) No, I mean, but it also, it, it is true. Like having a trend, not sort of following the herd, but catching the herd. Earlier, it's extremely valuable. Like at Netlify, we we caught the trend of React. So basically, Netlify built essentially GitHub pages, but a product and a company. And that was like the original project of Netlify. It's expanded so so much further from that. But at the time when I joined, I joined three months before Create React App was developed. So like it was a CLI tool to build React apps easy. And prior to that, React was like super complicated to get up and running. Like You had to like know Webpack, you had to know Babel, you had to make all that, that glue happen together. And then there wasn't like an easy process to go host it somewhere. So the prevalence of build tools uh, like Grunt and Gulp and Browserify, they all made it easier to build a static output from React. And that trend is what took Netlify to where it is today. It's like people needed a place to deploy these static applications. GitHub Pages was like the solution for a lot of folks. Uh, because Heroku, like, why pay seven dollars for something you can host on S3 for free? But the challenge was S3; it requires way more thought in how you host and take it down, and deploy, and then it becomes like a Kubernetes nightmare. So, like, the the trend there was like people just wanted to have a better developer experience when it comes to like open source. The developer experience in JavaScript has improved so much more, but like, folks are now looking at the next thing, like a, a Zig or a Rust or all these other new languages and, and server renderings and stuff like that. So I guess when I, when I take a step back, when I look at how I chose things I wanted to work on and communities I wanted to like hang out in, before I like, committing to like React, I'm based out here in Oakland, so San Francisco, basically. By seeing the sheer number of RSVPs to the React meetup, it made me confident that React would be something I should pay attention to. When you look at the RSVPs of like now all these AI meetups that are happening in San Francisco, like every single weekend is a hackathon. Highly confident that if you're engineering today, like you probably want to know what embeddings are and know how OpenAI works. Not that you necessarily have to build AI stuff, but it is going to be the thing that people are going to be using. So just like we had to learn build tools and servers and CDNs prior, like now it's all trivial stuff that you can sort of use Cloudflare for free. Like AI is going to be very similar, and it's probably going to happen much quicker. But in the time being, the trend right now is like you should probably understand whatever the the players are in that space. So that way you're able to talk confidently about it.
1: That's really good advice. Yep.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, in my role at managing director of mission control or like DevOps SRE platform, I spent a lot of time looking at trends, um, more on the engineering side. So I think my question is, (laughs) as someone who hires people to work on open source projects and who actively maintains and contributes to open source projects, what should I be Thinking about how to use
2: open source as in my role for hiring and sourcing skilled folks we're actually we're working on a tool like right now to make it more discoverable so today when you onboard as an individual developer you can check a box in your settings to say if you want to collaborate with other folks uh, you have to opt into it so if you want to be discovered on open source it's in the settings like we'll probably expose that and, and share more about that in the future uh, like in the next month or so but for in particular, Our user flow today for folks looking to find other people to contribute alongside their project is you add your project to what we call an insight page. You click on the insight tab on the top and create a page with your project. And then you can see contributions in your project in the last 30 days. And then you can also add other projects like your project. So you can see who else is contributing. So that way you can start discovering folks. Who are making contributions consistently, and start to get like some stories of like if they're interested in collaborating, they'll, they'll check that box. If they're not, the box won't be checked. But at least you know like the sort of scope of the ecosystem. As an individual developer, we have the onboarding flow, but then we also have highlights. Uh, so eventually, we'll do recommendations to get you to make contributions. But for now, if you're already making contributions, you can highlight the contributions you've made, so that way you're more discoverable in the platform. And the highlights are very much like a LinkedIn post or a tweet. You just drop in a PR and then we'll either generate that description for you or you write a description. I did a thing. This is what it was. This was the experience. And then now you're attached to the project through not just a code contribution, but also a discovery mechanism, which is a highlight. And then eventually we'll start doing like blog posts and, and guides and stuff like that as they're written. Like if you want to trip your career and your journey to your participation, like documentation updates and stuff like that, those will also be highlights coming soon.
1: I I love, love,
0: love that. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Now
2: that you have funding, it's time to design, build, and ship the most impactful MVP that wows customers now and can scale in the future. ThoughtBot Liftoff brings you the most reliable, cross-functional team of product experts to mitigate risk and set you up for long-term success. As your trusted, experienced technical partner, will help launch your new product and guide you into a future forward business that takes advantage of today's new technologies and agile best practices. Make the right decisions for tomorrow, today. Get in touch at thapacom slash liftoff.
1: I hear you saying that you have some things that's coming soon. In a high, high level, what are some of the things that you have coming uh, and what does success look like? Like six months, a year, what does that look like? Because it sounds like you have some really good ideas that you're working on.
2: Yeah, yeah. So like six months to like the end of the year, Uh, What we want to do is actually start getting more deeper insights to what's happening at open source. What we're doing right now is building the individual developer profile and experience so that way they're able to be discovered, find projects to work on. And then what's next is there's tons of enterprises and and companies that are maintaining open source projects, SDKs. And what we're seeing right now is we're seeing like a massive layoffs happening currently in industry. So like as of today, I think Facebook laid off 4,000 people ESPN laid off like 7,000 Disney employees as well. And some of those employees are around the the Disney Plus place. Like a lot of technical engineering stuff. So I guess what I'm getting at is there, we want to be able to see the trends of places that activity is happening and start recommending people to that. But also we want to give an opportunity for folks who... Companies, sorry, I'm like avoiding trying to name specific companies because, like, we're nothing's in contract yet. But certain companies, like, you don't think of as a, like an open source powerhouse. So, like, a company we're not talking to right now is Walgreens.com. And Walgreens, they have tech, they've got open source that they participated, but they're not thought of as a place like, oh, I want to go work at Walgreens and go work on some cloud infrastructure stuff. So, how does Walgreens get exposure and, like, hey, we're involved in the the Cube Cuddle and the Kubernetes platform and stuff like that. Like be aware that we, there's opportunity here. Um, so like we're going to start driving that connection to folks. So as you develop your career doing open source, you can also be noticed and folks can reach out to you. And I also want to like, want to stand on like the notion of like open source is not for everybody, but I also want to point out like my entire career in open source has not been nights and weekends. It's always been finding a company that supports my interest to do open source at work. Part of my story is like, I was getting an MBA, my first kid who's a uh, nine years old now, uh, he was born 11 weeks early and he's the reason why I built an app because I wanted to build an app to solve a pain point that I had and ended up building that in 17 weeks. And that turned into opportunity. So I guess what I'm getting at is like, folks are getting being laid off right now. You might have some extra free time. You might be submitting like 100 applications a day. Consider taking like that down to 50 applications a day and then trying to contribute to a couple open source projects a month. So that way there's some, some more story to be shared as you're in the job market.
0: I love that and that you created that app when you had your son and you had that need. And for developers wanting to get noticed and wanting to get their next leg up or maybe even like negotiate for higher salaries, what's the traditional way people do that now to kind of highlight themselves?
2: Traditional way, what people are doing is they're tweeting, they're speaking at conferences, they're sharing their stories. It's like zero to I'm an influencer in the open source space. And like, there's no real clear guide and steps to get to that point. Which is why we have highlights today. Like we want to make it low effort for folks to write two hundred characters about something they contributed to. We're actually working on something to generate pull request descriptions, because I think that's another missed opportunity. Like when you open a PR in an open source project and it says no description added, like that's a missed opportunity. Like there's an opportunity for you to share what you've learned, what stack overflow questions you looked at, like how you got to the problem and like why this is the right solution. All should be in the pull request description. And then that pull request should be in your cover letter for your resume so that way like, people can go back and say, oh, wow, you did some real work. I can go see the history of your contributions because perhaps the job you got let go from, you only worked in private repos. You couldn't really showcase your skills. That now gives you a competitive edge. And I guess when I look into this, like going back to my original onboard ramp into engineering I graduated with a finance degree with no network. I had one internship at an at a insurance company, but that wasn't enough. Like everyone who I in- interned with, like the guy who got a job at the internship, like his dad was a client, was a big client at that firm. And another guy, he worked at a golf course and he'd be the caddy for all these big finance folks and where I went to school. So once I learned that, that there's like an opportunity to get a job. By just knowing people that changed my entire path like when i got the sales like oh or when i got the engineering i just knew go and meet people go have conversations go to meetups what i'm trying to do with open source is make that step closer for folks so they can look up and be like you know i've made all these contributions or i don't know where to start let me just look at people who i know and follow in the industry and see where they're contributing and like make that connection so like we're kind of close that gap without the need of again you don't need a hundred thousand twitter followers to get noticed Just make some contributions or show up and ask questions. And hopefully that's a first step to establishing your career.
0: Well, that sounds great for both people who are looking to get hired, but also as someone who (laughs) hires people, I know that there's a lot of amazing developers who are never going to do a conference talk, or they're not going to post on Twitter. So I love that that's available. And that's something you're working on.
2: Yeah, it's just coming out of my own pain of like, I, I was saying, like, Looking at the story now, it sounds great, but like part of that story was like, "Hey, I was getting so severely underpaid as an engineer in San Francisco, living in a one bedroom apartment with two kids." Like all that part of the story is like nothing I dwell on, but it's it's like all that opportunity that knowledge sharing that I ended up benefiting from. It's like what I constantly try to give. I pay it forward with folks, and I'm, I'm more than happy to talk with folks on Twitter and, and open source Discord and other places because I think there's a lot of opportunity open source and. If anybody's willing to listen, I'm I'm willing to show them the path.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because this is one of my favorite questions I ask on the podcast. So knowing where you're at right now and your story, you've gone the ups, the downs, all of it. If you can go back in time and know what you know now, what advice would you give yourself at the beginning?
2: Honestly, I would just say write it down. Like one thing that I did is I did a blog post. And that's what kind of that's part of the reason why I was I was able to like find my first job in engineering mm-hmm. is I started a blog and which is really for myself to to learn what I did yesterday. I tell everyone who I mentor it takes two hours every time you want to sit and learn something new because one hour is to remember what you did yesterday, and then one hour is to do something new. And so I used to write it down and then make it a blog post just to solve that problem. I wish i did more with that like you know wrote a book or created a youtube channel or something because all that knowledge and that that sort of sharing is actually what got me to level up faster i was actually i was asked by one of my one of my close friends of like hey how do you do it how do you like accomplish everything you've done in the last like nine ten years and i didn't know what the answer was then, but the answer today for for my friend i'll share this with them is it's because i wrote it down i was able to like go back and see what i did and then at the end of six months, I was able to go back six months and see what I did. It's like the uh, the idea of relativity, like, like Einstein. Relativity is the idea of like motion and the perception. Like if you're in a train, it feels like you're just going slow, but you might be going 100 miles per hour, but you don't feel that. And when you're going on your own journey, you could be going 100 miles per hour, but you're thinking, "Oh man, I failed yesterday. I could have solved a problem, but yet you like solve six problems while trying to solve the one." It's that situation. So advice for myself. In the beginning, write it down and then share it way more than I did when I started. Because a lot of the stuff I'm like, even in this conversation, I'm thinking, "Oh yeah, this, this, and this," and I like, never shared that before, and I, I wish I did. So yeah,
1: I love that because yeah, I feel like that's the development. Like you have some some weeks that you're shipping out multiple features, and then. Other weeks, you're like, I barely got one out or I barely fixed this one bug that I've been trying to struggling with the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I like that advice. Write it down and remember where you've been. Remember. I just love the example you use, too, because like it does seem like I haven't made any movement. But when you look back, you're like, no, you actually made a lot of movement and you're very successful at what you did. So that's great advice.
0: I sometimes write things and then I go back, maybe like six months later, and read them, and I'm like, "Who <laughs> wrote this? <laughs> I don't remember learning this stuff." Oh yeah, I guess I did. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so cool. Um, what questions do you have for us, Brian?
2: I'm curious, and like, how do you, how does uh, thoughtbot folks stay up to date? Like, what does your involvement in open source look like today?
0: Yeah, so we are known for being active maintainers of a lot of very popular Ruby on Rails gems. So we're a consulting agency, so we're able to structure our time with our clients so that we can build in what we call investment days, which is typically Fridays, so that people can contribute to open source projects, they can write blog posts, they can do trainings. And so that gives us the structure to be able to actually allow our employees to contribute to open source. And it's a huge part of our business as well. So if you have a Ruby on Rails project, you're probably using one of our gems. (laughs) And so when there's other crises or other things happening in the organization and they want to bring in an expert, they know that that's who ThoughtBot is. Of course, we've expanded and we do React and now we're doing platform engineering and we have some open source Terraform modules that we use to migrate people onto AWS and operate at that enterprise level with a mix of like, managed products from AWS as well. So, and that, that continues to be like how we talk to people and get that buzzword out there is like, okay, there's this cool open source project. Like one I'm excited about now is open telemetry. And so we're digging into that and figuring out how we can contribute and can we make a big impact here? And that just opens a door to conversations in a way that is less like salesy, right? <laughs> And like people know us as the contributors and as the maintainers, and that creates a level of trust that goes a long way, and and also is is really speaks to how we operate as a company as well, where we the code is open, we give it back to the customers. It's not some organizations will build stuff and then yeah. never give it to you.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like uh, folks at Thoughtbot could probably benefit from things like open source for discoverability. And I get a lot of um, conversation around and open source is like, how do I get connected to maintainer of X or maintainer of Y? And the first step is like, how do I even know who the maintainer is? Because well, when you go to GitHub, you could sort this by last commit date, which not a lot of people know. You could sort the contributors by um, most frequently and stuff like that. But it's it's challenging to find out who to reach out to when it comes to packages, especially when especially when people move on. Like someone created a thing, they have tons of commits, and then they look like they're the number one committer for the past 10 years, but they they left five years ago. Those are things that we're trying to make more discoverable to solve that problem. But then like going to the Thoughtbot thing is like being able to reach out to Thoughtbot and be like, oh, who can I reach out to about this gym and say, I have an idea or we have an issue. How can we get unblocked? Cause we're using this in our, our product. And I imagine with consulting, there's an opportunity to say, Hey, Thoughtbot, which I, honestly, like, at Netlify, we use Thoughtbot to solve like some harder problems for us. Like we were just like, yeah, we don't have the bandwidth to go down this path. Let's go to consulting to unblock us in this arena.
0: Right. And that was really important to me in making the decision to join ThoughtBot last year is that it was built around open source and that ethos really spoke to me. Is like, this is a place where I want to work. <laughs> and you can think of like, if you're looking for vendors, like, oh, I want to work with people who have that same ethos. So, yeah, open source, it seems like a really cool product. I'd be curious about how we can leverage it more at ThoughtBot.
2: Yeah, we just shipped a, a feature called Teams, which well, it's self-explanatory, but basically when you, you build an inside page, you're able to build a team to help the discover a process of what's happening contributions, you get details and reporting on open source. Um, the goal was basically to um, unblock teams who are involved in open source together and make it more discoverable for folks who want to find maintainers and, and collaborate with them.
0: Um will I, I don't want to I know we're running close on time, but I had one more question about what you said around Making open source more hospitable. And you know, you mentioned going to Juneteenth Conf, and I'm curious if you have a perspective on if open source is equitably accessible to everyone, or if there are things we can be doing as a community to be more inclusive.
2: Yeah, the quick question. So first answer is quick. It's it's no. The reason why it's no is because we have to be we have to admit <laughs> where there's like inequitable like situations. And as much as we want to like set this up of like, I want to say that there's opportunity for everyone to contribute based on no matter where their background, but just by your time zone makes it inequitable of like whether you can contribute open source. Cause if you look at the data and zoom out, most open source happens in the West coast U S so from San Francisco to Seattle, like majority contributions are there. There's reasons for that. Like California has a very, very expressive clause of like where you can contribute. And technically your employer can't block you on doing open source contributions unless you sign like at Apple, you sign away your rights to be able to do that. in your, your employee offer letter, but sorry, not to be a dig against Apple, Apple buy lots of open source. But what I'm getting at is that the opportunity there, but it's the awareness thing. I'm part of an organization called Dev Color. It's an organization of black engineers in tech. We have squads and like monthly meetings where we just talk about our career and like growth and stuff like that. And I, I attribute a lot of that interactions to my success, is like talking to other folks who are years ahead of me and have a lot more experience. But I, I say this because the majority of the folks that I interact with, Dev Color is. They don't do open source because they all, to be a black engineer at a level of like senior engineer at Netlify or staff engineer or a manager, sorry, I meant like Netflix, but Netlify too. You you basically had a career path of like, you probably went to school at a decent engineering school or you figured out how to get a job at Facebook or Google. And like, that's pretty much it. And like, this is a blanket statement. I totally understand those like outliers. But the majority of the folks I interact with, Dev Color is like, they have a job, they have a great job, and they're doing the thing and they're being v- very successful, but there's less community interaction. And that's what Dev Color exists for, is like to encourage that community interaction and participation. So at the end of the day, like there is opportunity to make it more equitable. So like things like every time there's a release cut for op- a major open source project, why not go to Black Girls Code and have them build something with it? And again, like very specific, but like React 19 that currently being tested. Why not go to all these underrepresented organizations and partner with them to show them how to use this project? Because the assumption is everyone in open source, you got to be senior enough to participate, or if it's too hot, get out of the kitchen. But if we set up a place for people to interact and level up, in three or four years from now, you'll see the open source ecosystem of that project be completely different as far as diversity. But it takes that investment to have that onboard ramp, to even have that connection or conversation about testing early releases with underrepresented groups in engineering, that's where we have to start. And that's what we're trying to do at Open Source. We wanna make that connection. I have a whole plan for it. I'll share it like a blog post. And I also mentioned that a lot of these thoughts are on our blog as well. I've been writing blog posts around these these conversations. Uh, so opensauce.pizza slash blog, if you're
1: interested.
0: Very cool, thank you for that.
1: I'm just processing on the whole conversation. It's just been great.
0: Yes, thank you so much for sharing with us. And I wonder, do you have any final takeaways for our listeners today, Brian?
1: Yeah, final takeaways. Like if anything at all
2: resonated in this conversation, please reach out, BDougie on GitHub. I'm pretty active at my notifications. So if you mention me in a random project, I'll probably jump back in and respond to you. But also Twitter, BDougie Yo. And then I mentioned our blog. Uh, We also have a newsletter. So if you're interested in any of this open source journey, please join us there and um, keep in touch.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. You can subscribe to the show and find notes along with a complete transcript for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at Victoria's G.
1: And you can find me at Will23Larry. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Mandy Moore. Thank you.
0: This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot, your expert strategy, design, development, and product management partner. We bring digital products from idea to success and teach you how because we care. Learn more at ThoughtBot.com.